Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Phil is a relatively healthy 63-year-old male who has well-controlled hypertension and metabolic syndrome. He's asking you about whether he should get a flu and COVID vaccine this fall. You address those concerns and also recommend that he consider getting an RSV vaccine. He questions the need for this as his two-year-old grandson had RSV last winter, and he thought it was just something that young kids get. How do you advise him about this new vaccine? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and founding chair from the Department of Family Medicine at the UMass Chan Medical School, Bay State in Springfield, Massachusetts. Bob, everyone's curious. RSV, thanks for bringing this topic forward this morning. Yeah, hi, Frank. It's great to be here talking about this. Um, you know, I've uh, treated children with uh, RSV, right? That's respiratory syncytial virus pneumonia in the past, but I haven't thought of this when I'm assessing adults with community-acquired pneumonia. So, you know, what is RSV? Well, it's a highly contagious, single-stranded RNA virus, typically circulates in the fall, peaks in the winter in the U.S. It is the most common cause of pneumonia in children less than a year of age. The RSV hospitalization rate, looking back to some uh, statistics from 2016, was about 15 per thousand children less than six months of age, and it declines to about three per thousand children less than five years of age. The hospitalization is also seen in children above five, but these children usually have some underlying medical problems. They neurologic diseases or immunally deficient. Now, we commonly see this in outpatient visits for children as well in children less than two years of age. One study revealed that 20% of children less than two years of age who were seen in an emergency room or in a pediatric clinic with complaints of an acute respiratory infection and fever tested positive for RSV. The incident in those studies peaked at about five months of age, hence confirming our experience this is an illness of children and, and infants and children. But turns out, Healthy adults are infected with RSV repeatedly throughout our lives. And typically, they're having sort of a mild URI, like cold symptoms with this. There was an interesting study done of about 250 military trainees with respiratory symptoms, and RSV was identified in 11%. This is very similar to another outpatient study that was done of older adults around 60 years of age that had acute respiratory illness, and RSV was detected in 11% of those patients. So, of course, I'm not so worried about your typical, you know, URI cold symptoms. However, turns out RSV is an important and often unrecognized cause of pneumonia in older and immunocompromised adults. According to the CDC, RSV is responsible for up to 160,000 hospitalizations and 10,000 deaths each year in the U.S. Many of these are adults. The mortality rate among these adults greater than 50 who are hospitalized with RSV is 6 to 8%. Think about that, Frank. 6 to 8% mortality rate for adults that have been hospitalized with RSV. Now, who are these adults? Well, they're primarily those with underlying health conditions, as you can imagine, cardiorespiratory diseases or weakened immune systems. That is some exceptional data, Bob. Uh, 6 to 8% of adults who are hospitalized with respiratory complaints are 
dying from RSV. So we have we have a, a clear indication for adults. Another indication for me is just if adults get it and then recover quickly, then possibly you're going to lower the chance that they're going to spread it to young kids who might be ill or those who are immunocompromised. All right, so um, I think we have we have a really good indication for. Uh, what we used to just think of was a viral infection in older adults. Tell me about the new vaccine. Yeah, it's fascinating. Now that we have these viral panels, we can test for things. We're actually identifying things which were, you got a viral infection. Um, so it turns out uh, all uh, individuals, for the most part, have been infected by RSV by age two. And previous RSV infection doesn't appear to protect against reinfection. And so that may be because they have, there are different genotypes that shift yearly, like, like influenza. However, it does appear that immunity is more important in ameliorating the severity of subsequent infections than in preventing them. And so studies have looked at this. Adults with lower levels of uh, IgG anti-RSV titers are more likely to develop symptomatic RSV infection than those um, who have uh, higher titers. So the, vac the idea of a kind of vaccine is let's boost those antibody uh, titers. So this new RSV vaccine contains a recombinant monovalent subunit of an RSV glycoprotein antigen known as RSV pre-F3. They combine it with an adjunct, which most vaccines do to boost an immune response. It's given as a single IM dose to those 60 and older. The vaccine was approved based on the results of an ongoing phase three randomized clinical trial that's enrolled almost 25,000 participants, half of those getting a vaccine, half getting a placebo. Those who received the vaccine were 83% less likely to develop RSV-associated pneumonia and 94% less likely to develop severe disease. So it sounds like excellent efficacy. Okay. Um, as we learned over the last few years, talking about vaccines, especially new vaccines, uh, has led to a fair amount of vaccine hesitancy. Um, how do we inform patients about the adverse effects of these vaccines and, and encourage them to receive it? Yeah, no, people are always very concerned about adverse effects with these. And, uh, and of course, nothing comes without risk. And the most commonly reported adverse effects were, as you would suspect, uh, injection site pain, little fatigue, a little muscle pain, headaches, joint stiffness, uh, so, so pretty benign. However, among the study of 25,000, atrial fibrillation was reported within a month of the vaccination in 10 participants who received the vaccine, and, but in only four of those who received the placebo. So mind you, it's an older age group here that we're, we're looking at. And the concern, though, other concerns were actually raised. In, so that was, I'm, I'm talking about the Lancet published study. That's where that came from. But the FDA actually had other clinical trials that they were looking at. And two other uh, studies reviewed by the FDA had only 2,500 participants, again, over 60 years of age. One of these studies, participants who were given the RSV concomitant with the FDA-approved influenza virus, um, two of them developed acute disseminated encephalomyelitis one was seen a week after, one was seen three weeks after, and one of these individuals died. In another similar study, one participant developed Guillain-Barre syndrome nine days after receiving the RSV um, the vaccine. I reviewed the data on developing uh, Guillain-Barre after the influenza vaccine, and one study reported two cases per million doses of the flu vaccine. 
And I also was wondering, well, what about something like shingles? So a study looking at that found three cases of Guillain-Barre per million uh, doses of the shingle uh, vaccine in adults 65 and older. So these are rare things. So the manufacturer is being required to conduct post-marketing study to assess atrial fibrillation as well as Guillain-Barre syndrome and acute disseminated encephalomyelitis here as this has been approved uh, and will be uh, distributed. Oh, I like the first set of data better, Bob. That, that is that is a little alarming. Again, it was combined with the influenza vaccine. So maybe the, the lesson we're going to learn there is, is not to do that. But um, I think it's important to recognize both the benefits and the harms. Um, what are you going to do with your patients? Are you going to recommend this vaccine, Bob? Well, Frank, you know, I'm always a little hesitant to utilize a new therapy until we have more real-world data to support efficacy and safety. Hence, I'm a little concerned about those reported side effects. I'd like to see what the epidemiologic evidence demonstrates after the first year of use here when we've got some, uh, you know, a, a few hundred thousand people taking it. However, I've actually become to appreciate that older adults, particularly those with underlying respiratory, cardiorespiratory symptoms or immune uh, deficiency syndromes, and again, we're thinking people like diabetes or cancer, right? They're at high risk for severe disease caused by RSV. So for those patients, I think I would be recommending taking this new RSV vaccine. I think I'm in agreement with you, Bob. I think we'll need a little bit more data. Uh, for now, I'm probably going to encourage just my high-risk patients to get it. Excellent review, Bob. Thanks so much. Thanks, Frank. Glad I could bring this forward. Practice pointer. Consider recommending the use of the new RSV vaccine for your patients over the age of 60, particularly those that have severe underlying cardiorespiratory diseases or immunocompromised conditions. Join us next time when we talk about the role of obstructive sleep apnea in cognitive decline among seniors. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out PrimeMed.com for additional CME content.